This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Paul Stone talking some college football. Paul, how are you? Doing well, Jimmy. Good to be with you. Uh, getting here the final Saturday of October, another great uh, weekend of college football before us. Yeah, yes, indeed. And uh, we got a little matching in a midweek next week to try and uh, see if we can uh, get get uh, a few winners in that one on Tuesday and Wednesday as the calendar turns to November on the first and second next week. But Paul, I've got a. You're in Texas. It involves the University of Texas, and you know Texas loves a good conspiracy theory. So. You know, the Big 12, they're not real happy with Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the uh, the greener pastures of the SEC, huh? Well, uh, who kind of oversees the Big 12 officials? Well, that'd be the Big 12 office. Um, 14 penalties to zero at Stillwater on Saturday. Now, control what you can control, Steve Sarkeesian. When your one-two running back tandem uh, goes 29 for 213 to two TDs, seven and a half yards an attempt. Don't throw it 49 times when your quarterback is only completing 19 of them. But, man, 14 to 0 in penalties? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, you know, not not a whole lot of people probably feeling sorry for the University of Texas because <laughs> they've probably gotten, you know, their share of favorable calls through the years. But not only Texas and Oklahoma, the exiting members of the Big 12 supposedly uh, – on the wrong side of the officiating, but the Pac-12 members, USC and UCLA, uh, moving to the Big Ten in a few in a, in a couple of years, they are also apparently uh, maybe on the wrong side of some calls uh, here in the, the the chatter out there. So yeah, I've never seen it. I don't know that I've ever seen a game where one team got penalized for 14 times and the other team, the home team, didn't get penalized at all. But certainly penalties, if you if you look at numbers like I do and statistics the home team tends to get penalized less than the uh, than the road team. But uh, that is really a little bit out of whack. And, um, you know, I don't know. I thought Texas, you know, probably committed most of the penalties uh, they were called oh, for. You have, you have to wonder if Oklahoma State didn't maybe have some offensive holding or some other uh, uh, potential penalties in there. But, you know, Texas, uh, like you said, they got to control their uh, what they can control. And uh, they just didn't close the deal. They continue to have uh, – the issue of, of holding double-digit leads in the second half and not being able to close. Well, I um, I don't think that Oregon State's play is as clean as Mike Gundy's haircut, okay? I don't think that was – I would think there's a hold somewhere. And look, a, a, a chunk of them, a considerable chunk of pre-snap penalties, which anybody can see. There's no discretion involved there. Uh, I understand that. But 14 to zip – 
It's been a long time since I can remember uh, one of those. Let's get to your picks. Let's stay in the uh, Big 12 uh, as we look at uh, Texas Tech and Baylor. And, you know, um, starting to time to look as we turn the corner to the second half of the season, which first-year head coaches are showing improvement? Because that's the biggest thing. What kind of improvement do you show over the course of the season? Good coaches will do it, and we're seeing uh, some of them around the country. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, and also the folks over at uh, the homegrown folks, the Texas high school ranks at uh, in Lubbock. They're 4-0 now at home with a blowout win against West Virginia. They're 2.5 now home against Baylor. Yeah, Joey McGuire, the, the first-year Texas Tech head coach, uh, whom you alluded to, a uh, – Texas high school coaching legend who has a lot of connections, obviously, to uh, high school coaches throughout the state. Texas Tech has an exceptional recruiting class for 2023, uh, but that's the future. I hear today, uh, as you indicated, this is a, a team, I think, that much like LSU, under a first-year head coach, is getting better. They are evolving. I think this is a sneaky good Red Raider team. They kind of symbolize the extraordinary balance in the Big 12 in my mind. You know, there are no easy outs in this conference, no off weeks. Uh, and Texas Tech is certainly one of those teams that has and will continue to play a factor in the Big 12 uh, race. This is a unique team as well in the fact that they not only have two proven quarterbacks, they have three. Donovan Smith, uh, a few weeks ago, he beat Texas in Lubbock. Uh, then their redshirt freshman, Baron Morton, uh, the last two weeks, he's thrown for over a total of over 700 yards uh, against Oklahoma State and uh, West Virginia, and now you've got Tyler Schuff, uh, who was the Oregon transfer, their opening game starter against Murray State. He's now healthy, so Texas Tech has three capable quarterbacks going into this game on Saturday at home against Baylor. I think Morton's going to get the start. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be shocked if we didn't see at least two quarterbacks, and we might even see all three. Uh, Texas Tech, you look at their overall season, they are four and three. All of their losses on the road to good teams, those losses coming to North Carolina State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State, they actually outgained all three of those teams. Uh, The turnover bug kind of got them uh, in those road losses. They committed four turnovers against North Carolina State, also four turnovers against Kansas State. But as you mentioned, at home, Texas Tech 4-0 turnovers. They're plus six on the season at home. So they might turn the ball over on the road, but they win the turnover battle at home. I like the trajectory of this Texas Tech team under Joey McGuire. Texas Tech beats defending Big 12 champion Baylor by more than a field goal Saturday in Lubbock. Yeah, I like them as well. And, you know, the uh, the losses at Stillwater and at Manhattan, a healthy uh, Kansas State team is, uh, is nothing to be ashamed about, nothing to be embarrassed about. They came off that bye week. Uh, and I mean, just whitewash West Virginia. You and I uh, did that uh, Big 12 uh, preview along with Randy McKay. And one of the teams that I liked was West Virginia. I liked them over five and a half. Um, and uh, lost a tough one at Pitt. Lost a tough one in overtime against Kansas. And now they're behind the eight ball a little bit. But now they host TCU. How much is left in the tank for TCU? Down 28-10. They were down 14 in the fourth the week before and went in overtime. Uh, they went to Lawrence for game day. They blew out Oklahoma, and they're still undefeated. You talk about three quarterbacks. Well, Adrian Martinez went down early in the game on Saturday night against TCU. 
He only attempted two passes and ran it one time. So Howard comes in, does fine, 13 of 20 for 225. He rushed for another TD and 30 yards, but then he goes down. I mean, it was just one thing after the next. Can you tell I'm bitter? I had Kansas State plus four last week, Paul. So now West Virginia is catching seven and a half at home against the undefeated Horned Frogs. You know, I'll say this, Jimmy. Few college football teams navigate their complete 12-game regular season schedule, you know, without a hiccup or two, without stubbing their toe. TCU to this point, I think without question, they've been the biggest biggest surprise in all of college football. You know, I think they were a consensus pick to finish in the bottom half of the uh, Big 12 standings this season in Sonny Dyke's first year there in Fort Worth. But here we are. We're approaching the month of September. The Horned Frogs, a perfect 7-0 and they're ranked seventh in the nation in both major polls, and they clearly control their own destiny as far as college football's four-team playoff. And for those of us like you and I who maybe wander up to the betting window from time to time, <laughs> five one and one against the spread. So they're also getting the money, as you might expect, for their backers. Uh, interestingly, and you've probably heard this and many of the listeners have as well, but TCU's last four victories have all come against ranked opponents that makes TCU just the third team ever to accomplish that feat in a calendar month, beating four ranked teams uh, in succession in the same month. And then in another kind of an odd twist that I think is probably happenstance as much as anything, three of the four teams that they defeated those last four games, they've lost either lost their starting quarterback during the TCU game or had to play the Horn Frogs with an injured quarterback. So that's kind of a unique issue. Then you look on the other sideline, and many are suggestion, suggesting that uh, Neil Brown's run there in uh, Morgantown might be coming to an end. Uh, this is his fourth season at West Virginia. Overall, they're two games under 500, and they're coming off their worst performance of the season. Uh, got uh, lambasted 48-10 to 10 last week in Lubbock against Texas Tech. Uh, that also matches – Brown's largest margin of defeat during his term there at West Virginia. But in sports betting, much like the stock market, uh, much of what we're trying to do, I think, is buy low and sell high. And that's exactly what we're doing here uh, in the cases of both West Virginia and TCU. I think this spot greatly favors West Virginia. You know, they might not be uh, burning furniture in Morgantown Saturday <laughs> night, but I still think they're going to keep it within a touchdown. I think they're going to make it competitive. I think this spot, again, favors the Mountaineers. Take West Virginia plus seven and a half over TCU. Well, they burned it on Thursday night uh, a couple of weeks ago against Baylor. So they may have a chance. And, uh, yeah, it's a big spot. You you talked about uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State at the time. 18, 19, 8, 8 and 17 were the rankings. Tack on the trip to Sonny Dykes' former employer right before that in SMU, and that was a little, uh, a little extra juice uh, in that game as well when they won that one 42-34. to So how much juice can they have left in the tank uh, for the TCU Horned Frogs? It's been a great run, but I think – and I, I really do believe that the quarterbacks don't, don't go down last week, uh, that it's probably coming to an end last week when it was 28-10 to uh, in the second half. No way to prove it, but – just my thoughts. All right, uh, Syracuse. Well, you know, Syracuse out got, got out game 450 to 291 at Clemson. But it was that um, one of the four turnovers for Clemson that turned into a 97-yard scoop and score that really flipped uh, the game and, you know, made it a comeback uh, 
a come-from-behind situation for most of the game uh, for Clemson. So they went 27-21 uh, despite uh, Syracuse having a 4-1 turnover uh, turnover win there. Uh, three of them were DJU, and he was pulled uh, for Klubnik. Now you come uh, come back home to play Notre Dame. This line is going from three, two and a half, three. It's back and forth. Currently, it's a two and a half at Bet Rivers, but it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that it will go right back to three. Uh, you're looking at this one, Notre Dame at Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, this time of year, Jimmy, certainly a greater percentage of my handicapping process, you know, shifts to the spot, you know, the scheduling dynamics and how each team got here and, and what they have in front of it. And, and looking at Syracuse, first of all, Syracuse is a good football team, but they're, they're top 30, top 35 good. You know, they're not 16th in the nation good, uh, which is where the uh, Orange are currently ranked in both the AP and the coaches poll. Uh, Syracuse, as you mentioned, coming off an emotionally charged, highly anticipated contest at Clem- uh, Clemson, uh, that clash of unbeatens. Uh, the Orange, as you mentioned, they lost that game 27-21, to 21, but they got the money. Uh, as a 13 or 13 and a half point underdog. But the final outcome also, as you mentioned, certainly misleading uh, with Clemson knocking on the doorstep, uh, the fumble return that you mentioned, the Jihad Carter, he scoops up the DJ Uyangale uh, fumble, returns at 90 yards, looked like Clemson was going to be leading early in the second quarter. And instead, after the fumble return, Syracuse leads 14 to seven. And that pretty much decided the cover, I think, on that one play. It was one of Clemson's uh, four turnovers. The Orange finished plus three in the turnover category and uh, get the money there. Frankly, on the other sideline, Notre Dame, they've been mostly unimpressive this year. Uh, lost at home to both Marshall and Stanford as more than double, as more than two touchdown underdogs, uh, favorites rather, lost to those two teams as more than two touchdown favorites. But the Irish, they catch Syracuse as the underdog. And like a lot of teams, they're different when they're in the role of the underdog. Since the start of the 2012 season, Notre Dame 14-7 and against the spread as the betting underdog. That includes covers this year uh, in trips to Ohio State and North Carolina. As you might remember, they actually led Ohio State at halftime of the season opener, and then they beat North Carolina on the road in Chapel Hill as I believe about a two-and-a-half-point uh, road underdog, which is the same price that we're seeing here. You know, you might wait around, see if you can find that three. Uh, that would kind of be my recommendation. But even if it holds at two and a half or goes down a little bit, I think this is a, a Syracuse team. It's still Notre Dame, so it's still is a huge game for Syracuse. But there's got to be a little bit of a Clemson hangover. I think uh, Notre Dame goes into Syracuse and wins this game outright on Saturday. No doubt in college football, you know, the emotions, uh, the the crowd and everything else, it's uh, more impressionable uh, on the, uh, it makes a bigger impression on the, uh, on college players as opposed to pros. So that game was 60 minutes. They turned the ball over at the Clemson 30 uh, on the last play of the game. Well, with 30 seconds to go, uh, Babers had to, um, had to, apologize to the media for letting 25 seconds run off the clock before they burned a timeout before the uh, field goal uh, for uh, Clemson uh, made it 27 to 21. But still, that was a full 60 minutes of emotion is my point. That wasn't like that game was decided uh, in the second quarter. So, yes, uh, after that undefeated matchup, now they come back home. Still Notre Dame. 
Still Notre Dame, but it's not uh, top five Clemson. So Paul Stone's picks again this week. He's going Texas Tech to 4-0 at home, laying two and a half to the Baylor Bears. West Virginia in a spot here. Looking for TCU, the Horned Frogs. They roll into uh, barely getting into Morgantown on reserve on their gas level, plus seven and a half against TCU. And then Notre Dame, 2-0 uh, ATS in this uh, underdog spot. And uh, we've got them uh, plus two and a half. Might go to three. It's been teetering back and forth between two and a half and three at Bet Rivers at Syracuse. Paul, anything else you want to add? No, I tell you, it's just been a, a great uh, college football season. It's always the same each year. We wait for it to start, and then once it uh, gets going, it just never slows down. So uh, <laughs> we're approaching the second half of the season. And I would say just in, in as a general handicapping rule of thumb, this late October, final Saturday in October, first Saturday in November general time frame, it's hard to project who's going to be the team that's going to get ambushed, the favorite who's going to get beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are times where, as you indicated, kind of like TCU, where teams are running out of that emotional juice. They don't have as much collective team psyche as I like to say. you got to be able to – it's a little bit tricky picking the spots. But these next two weekends, I think we'll see some surprises, and it's just our job to try to figure out uh, who's going to be surprised and who's going to be the victor. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Appalachian State. And uh, their crazy wins at A&M and then game day with the Hail Mary against Troy. And then they finally lost that 28-3 lead to James Madison. Then it was James Madison's turn. And they get beat. How about them on third down, Paul? That's not too good, huh? 0 for 17 on third down uh, against Marshall. So we're seeing other teams that are especially um, unfamiliar teams with the runs, you know, having runs that maybe are dealing with these high emotion games that they're just not used to having on a year to year basis, like some of the power programs. I know a lot of people get aggravated with the elitism of college football sometimes, but it is, it is real for Paul Stone. I'm Jimmy Ott. This is sports betters paradise on the bet rivers network.